Okay, if you want to turn in your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be talking about the power of thanksgiving. And today I want to start us off with kind of a spiritual exercise, if you will. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. And I want you to picture what Jesus might have looked like when he was on this earth. Not necessarily the person you see in the stained glass, not necessarily the person you've seen in Renaissance art or anything lately. But if you were to see Jesus right now just sitting at the side of the road, what would he look like to you? I'm not necessarily talking about hair color, eye color, race, anything like that. But what's the expression on his face? That's what I want to talk about today. It's been said that a person's resting facial expression tells you a lot about who they are and what they're really like. And I was thinking about that this last week as I sat um, deer hunting, about how Jesus may have looked to those around him. And I was thinking about a lot of the Hollywood portrayals of Jesus and how he looked like this kind of stern, kind of grumpy or serious or otherworldly kind of person, and he talked in a monotone and said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they is the kingdom of heaven. And, and I just don't think that's the Jesus that the Bible portrays. Because after all, he must have been fairly approachable. After all, children ran to him. Children wanted to be around him all the time. And how many people here have ever tried to go up to a small child and introduce themselves only to have that child turn and run away and run to their mom or their dad or some other place of protection or comfort for them? You see that working a lot in the hospital. You bring in a kid with an earache and a nurse or a doctor comes into that room, that kid will lose their mind. You'll never be able to look into that kid's ear unless you have four or five people there holding the child down. And you'd be surprised how strong a child can get when they, when they get angry. And, but that wasn't the case of Jesus. He didn't have that problem. In fact, the children wanted to come to him so much that the disciples had a full-time job trying to push these kids back away from him because they saw this as an interruption to his ministry and an interruption to his teaching. But Jesus rebuked them and said, these children are the reason that I came. And Jesus must have had something in his personality or some type of a spiritual force, if you will, that made him highly attractive to others. And so as I'm sitting there in my chair, looking out at the woods, hoping a deer would come by, and I was thinking, what is the one ingredient in our Lord's character that made him so attractive to others? Even people that had no reason to really like him. Think about the woman at the well. The woman at the well had absolutely no reason to like him. In fact, she had every reason to dislike him. He's, he was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. He was a man. He, she was a woman. She was out there in the heat of day because of the shame of the life that she was living. And here he is, a rabbi, coming to talk to her. And all she's thinking is he's coming to condemn her. But for some reason, something in Jesus' character drew her out and drew her to want to talk to him. And I think one of the vital ingredients in Jesus' life that made him so approachable to people is that Jesus was always thankful. He was always thankful, no matter what 
the circumstance. And when you read the gospel, right before Jesus was going to do something miraculous or say something profound or, or speak a sermon or speak over someone's life, he would always start with giving thanks to his father. Thankfulness was his starting point. You and I looked at thanks as giving a as a response. Something does some, or somebody does something nice for us, we thank them for it. But he started it out with everything he did was thank you. Thanks was his way of life. It was a precursor to everything that he did for God. Paul the apostle gives us a small glimpse into this idea when he wrote to the church at Thessalonica. And he gave us three things to focus on to live a fruitful and successful Christmas Christian life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, it says, Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you just, that us as 21st century Christians have a serious problem with being thankful, I think. We, we are so inundated with not having enough and wanting more and, and all these things that we forget to be thankful first and then allow the blessings to come. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you place this within our hearts today through the power of your word. Let it do what you meant, it to, what you meant your word to do, which is to, to divide of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Let it judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts and make us more like Jesus. Father, I ask this in your name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to talk about the power of of thanksgiving and the power of being thankful. And we're not going to just talk about the holiday where we get to cut up a turkey and have a feast. We're not talking about just a, a time that we get to be off work and celebrate with family. And not glory to God the week that gun season, gun deer season happens. It's my favorite time of the year. There's power in this idea of living a life where we start and end with simply being thankful, simply giving thanks to God for everything. So let's look at this idea of living, of what living a life of thanksgiving can do for us. The first thing it's going to do is it's going to orient our attention and orient our nature. I want you to look at that scripture again where Paul says, Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. What we really should do is turn that verse around. Paul is saying that if you want to live a life full of joy, be thankful always in all circumstances. You say, well, that, that, that doesn't sound like it's going to be a very easy thing. Fortunately, we have the Holy Spirit to help us with because it all starts with thanksgiving. And if you stop and think about all the chaos that exists in our world today, it all comes from having or from people not living a life full of thanks, full of thanksgivings. Everybody wants more and more and more, and people aren't thankful for anything anymore. 
I read a great post on social media this week that dovetails into this. It said that America is the only place on earth where we go from one day of giving thanks for everything that we have to the next day beating people up in stores on Black Friday to give more. That's true though, isn't it? You read about it every year, people climbing over the top of each other to go get a TV. They already have six in their house, but they need that one more. There's a lot of truth there. We should be different. We have so much to be thankful for as Christians. It should, in fact, be our default mode. This world system, though, is becoming more and more and more structured to strip all of that away from us. Everything that we see in the news media right now is always creating this us versus them situation. They point to those people over there. Those people are the reason you can't live your full life. Those conservatives, those liberals, those progressives, those Republicans, those Democrats, whatever tribe or, or, or people group you want to lump yourself into, it's their fault that you can't live the life that God has for you or you can't live a blessed life or a life of abundance. It's all because of them. And it's all become about separating people into these camps. Making, these, making us think these other people are the source of all of our problems and creating an anger against them. And you know what? Fox is just as guilty as CNN. MB, MSNBC is just as, cap, as guilty as ABC or any of the other alphabet soup networks. Facebook, Twitter, Google, and other social media platforms just add to this. Do you know that most Christian websites right now, especially one that deal with news, are not legitimate websites anymore? They're actually run by robots out of Russia. They're meant to feed us disinformation, to get us all riled up, to take our attention. I just, I just read these stories this morning. To take our attention away from the truth, get us so afraid, so scared that the Antichrist is going to come and take away what we have, that we become ineffective witnesses for Jesus Christ and showing the hope that we have for him. That's why learning to be thankful is so important to us. The entire world is gearing against us right now, trying to make us live a life where it's impossible to be thankful. Sometimes we look at the Bible and we have that chronological snobbery that goes with it. Well, these people don't know what it's like to live, you know, in the 21st century. They, they had a much easier life back then. Well, Jesus told us to be thankful, considering the world, consider for a moment the world he lived in. According to his culture, his upbringing, his reputation, Jesus was the illegitimate child of Joseph and Mary because Mary had an affair. That's what they all believed. The Pharisees threw it in his face and said, we know who our father was. That was a direct slap against him supposedly being illegitimate in their eyes. According to his culture and according to the world he lived in, he's living in occupied territory. He is under the subjugation of Rome. He's not even a citizen of the nation that rules over him. And as a Hebrew living in Palestine of that time, he has no rights to speak of. Zero rights. If a Roman soldier came along and decided, that's yeah, a nice house you live in, Jesus. Nice carpentry shop. I want it. I'm taking it. 
Jesus has no recourse other than to say, here's the keys. That's what could happen. A Roman citizen wants it, he can have it. If a Roman liked his very clothing, him walking down a road, saw his nice shawl, said, hey, I want that. He could literally take it for him, leave him standing there in his loincloth. If a ruler of that area wants him dead for any reason whatsoever, no due process, no courts, no anything, off with his head. And we think our world is tough. Try living in his. But Jesus still said, be thankful. He chose it. It was his default mode. Why, was he, why does he ask us to be like that? And it's going to be hard for some people to hear this next part. Maybe it's nobody here. Maybe it's somebody listening by podcast. But life or God, or God, neither one of them really owe us anything. In fact, the Bible is clear. We're born in a sin nature. And God has already judged sin. The only thing we truly deserve is hell. It's only by the grace of God through Jesus Christ that we get to enter into heaven. And I think some people are listening to the wrong preachers, talking about prosperity and how to live the best life we have here on earth, while forgetting to mention that this is not our home. If God does enrich us down here, it's for our blessing to thank him for. It is not an expectation. And when we think that God is all about enriching our life here, it creates envy and covetousness within us. And I'm pretty sure envy and covetousness is on that famous list in the Bible of things not to do. You see, if you're basing your level of happiness or joy off your circumstances here, that's your problem. And that's why you're going to be miserable. It's the answer to the question of why you can't find peace or joy or happiness in this life. And it's why many people can't find it in their hearts to be thankful for anything. If you have become a Christian, if you are following Jesus Christ, you have to remember you are in essence an illegal alien in a country that hates you. This is not your home. And this is a truth and the source of becoming a more thankful person. Realizing that simple truth. Anything good you might have in your life is a blessing that God has given you by his grace. So think of it this way. Instead of being resentful, instead of hating God, instead of thinking that he's holding out on you, resent, resent is really the opposite of thanks. Consider instead how the author of Hebrew describes what is supposed to be our true existence. In Hebrews 12.22, it says, But you, you being a saved person, have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Verse 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. That's why the first step to knowing the power of thanksgiving in your life 
is to realize that you're not of this world anymore. To not look to this world for your satisfaction and to turn your heart and your eyes and your spirit toward God and be amazed and thankful for all he has given you. The second point of thanksgiving is this. It gives you the power to see the worth in others. And this is, I think, what made Jesus really attractive to those around him. I mentioned a few moments ago how everything in our culture seems to be trying to separate us into camps that hate each other. And this is where thanksgiving, thankfulness is a key to help us see the innate value of everyone we come into contact with. And even the ones, and especially the ones that irritate us the most. I once heard a sermon about how Jesus told us to pray for our enemies. And that sermon was being given by a, a theologian out of Springfield who's an expert in the Greek language. And he added in the culture in which that was written. And he explained to us the, the way the Greek language is structured, that Jesus' words to pray for our enemies could be just as easily translated as saying, God, please send us enemies. Now that seems like a really unusual thing to pray for, doesn't it? It's like, I don't want any enemies. I don't want enemies at church. I don't want enemies at work, in my family, in my friends, or in my job, or anywhere else. Why do I want to be around somebody who's constantly challenging me? The job I worked at before I moved up here, I worked um, with a guy who was in a supervisory position over me, who if you looked at the dictionary under the word condescending, and bully, his picture would be there. Okay, he, he was always bullying people, always belittling people, always running people down. And eventually he got enough complaints that upper management um, heard about it and he got talked to. So he thought his solution was, hey, go scrub the ambulance play, please and thank you. He added please and thank you to it. <laughs> Somehow that made it all right then. He hit my every last nerve, to be honest with you, because at his core, he was a bully. And nothing triggers my temper like somebody trying to bully me. I'm generally not a violent person, but bullies really make me want to ball up my fist and want to go Mike Tyson on them. I just, I can't stand bullies. And one morning he came into the station, he was particularly bad. Just that full steam bully, belittling everything else. First, he was an hour late coming to work, which meant I had to run another call after getting my butt pounded for the last 30 hours at work. I had been up for over 30 hours. I had to run another call of another really challenging one. I got back, and he immediately lays into us. He jumps in the back of the ambulance. He starts counting the 4 by 4 bandages. He said, you had two too many on your ambulance and threw them out of the thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, the wheels almost flew off the ambulance because we had too much weight on board. You know, it was different things like that. And I was just, I remember I was shaking. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm gone. I'm out of here. And I'm driving home and I just want to turn around and just go back to the station and pound them. I just, I was so angry. And so I turned on the radio and God just had it that one of my favorite worship songs of all time came on the radio. It's called Be the Center. 
And the lyrics go, Jesus, be the center. Be my source, be my light. Jesus, Jesus, be the center. Now you know I don't lead worship. Be my hope, be my song, Jesus. Be the fire in my heart. Be the wind in my sail. Be the reason that I live, Jesus. And I felt the Holy Spirit's conviction wash over me. And instead of turning the car around, I began to grudgingly pray for this man. You ever grudgingly pray for somebody because you know it's the right thing to do? Do you kind of start off going, God, you really need to judge this guy? You know, maybe a lightning bolt, fire brimstone, maybe just a bad headache, just something, toothache, something. But you know, it's also impossible to stay mad at somebody you're praying for. Try it sometimes. You get really mad at somebody, start praying for them. God will change your heart. And the more I prayed, the more thankful I became that God put that man in that situation into my life. Because it showed some glaring pride strongholds in my own spirit that God needed to deal with. And by the time I got home, my spirit was at peace. My temper was, was gone. And I was able to enter the house and not yell at the kids or kick dog or anything else. Just walk in and go right to sleep, crash out, had a restful afternoon sleep. And you know, after a while, because I didn't react negatively, I was able to befriend that person and help him to learn to be better with people and learn that he had so much going on in his life that was bad and help him through some of those things. So I'm thankful that God sent that person into my life because in the end, he used him in that situation to try to make me a little more like Jesus. So I ask you this morning, who is there in your life that you might not be able to stand? Maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's a relative, next door neighbor. Is there any enemy out there that you cannot forgive? There's a great quote about unforgiveness, which is a lack, a symptom of a lack of thankfulness in our hearts. And the quote is, unforgiveness is a poison you mix for your enemy, but drink yourself. Unforgiveness is a killer to ever being thankful for anything. In fact, if you remember what the Lord's Prayer says, it says this. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Let me modernize that a little bit more. God, forgive me the same way that I extend forgiveness to others. That could be a scary thought, can it? If God forgives the way we forgive sometimes. Again, it's a symptom of a lack of thankfulness in our lives. So choose thankfulness instead. And don't allow your heart to grow cold with bitterness. Listen, I've had some people stab me in the back, stab me in the front, smile as they twist the knife, and act, still try to act like they're my friend. I know, it's, I know it hurts. But don't allow your heart to grow cold with bitterness. Don't drink the poison that Satan is trying to put into your heart. Instead, thank God for those people that get on your last nerve. 
And watch God enter, your heart, enter you and change your heart toward that person. The third power of thanksgiving is seen in this. It will develop that same character in us that Jesus was able to show people that made us attractive or made him attractive to them. Has anyone ever had that relative that you never wanted to be around when you were younger? That person that your parents would say, come and go kiss your aunt before you leave, and you wouldn't want to go anywhere near your aunt. She had that sour look on her face all the time, looked like she was sucking on a lemon, couldn't say anything nice about anybody, was crabby, probably didn't take a shower in a week, just, just a generally un, unwelcome person. You didn't want to be around them. You'd rather take the whooping in the ground than go anywhere near her. But you know what? That's how many how many people in the world view the church and those who attend. A bunch of judgmental hypocrites that think they are better than everyone else. I don't know if, how much you watch TV, but there's an infamous character that showed us that called the Church Lady on Saturday Night Live, played by Dana Carvey. Everyone, according to her, was going to hell except for her, and if you disagreed with her and everything, she'd shriek, Satan! I mean, nobody wants to be around that. It was a caricature of the world of how they view church people. And, and especially would a child willingly go anywhere near a person like that. Remember I said in the beginning of the message that children ran toward Jesus to the point that 12 grown men, fishermen, had a hard time keeping them away. It was because... His love and mercies were products of him being thankful for everything in his life. I leave you with one final story from the life of the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are, are ministering in Philippi. And they come upon a girl who's possessed by an evil spirit. And the girl follows them around for three days, mocking them, saying, you have to listen to these guys, they're the the apostles of the living God, and all these kind of things. And finally, Paul got sick of it, turned around, cast a demon out of the woman. She's in her right mind, but apparently people were making money off of her some way, and they got angry and had them thrown into prison. Not only did they have them thrown into prison, but they talked a magistrate in the area to giving them a full scourging. A full scourging was just the same scourging that Jesus got, 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails. We're talking about something that removes all the skin off of your back and, and upper thighs. They got 39 lashes, and now they're stuck in the worst jail imaginable. We're talking about a cold, wet, dark, bugs and rodents everywhere. They're shackled to the wall with that pressing up against their shredded back with bugs and rats and everything else chewing on them. And what was their response to all that? In Acts 15, 25, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praising, praying and singing hymns to God. And the other, prayer, other prisoners were listening to them. Now, if that were you and me, and I, I admit, if this was me, I'm calling down fire, right? I mean, I, I, want, I want God to, to send the apocalypse, send a horseman, do something to get these people because I'm in misery, but that wasn't them. They were praising God. They were thankful for the opportunity to serve God in this way. 
They didn't ask for healing. They didn't even ask for a change of circumstances. They just started singing praises, and God started singing bass, and the jail fell down. The cell doors opened. Their shackles flew off. And God showed up at the scene to the point that even the jailer, the person that would have supervised their whipping, became a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let's all rise. Many of you this morning may be stuck in a jail of unforgiveness. Or maybe you think that there are so many things going wrong in your life you don't have anything to be thankful for. I would ask you this morning to just let God search your heart and see God's hand moving in your life and see your circumstances and your past for what they were. God using it to mold and shape the character of Jesus within you and put an image of Christ that shows other people who you believe in. Let's just take a moment this morning and ask God to show us where we are in chains to our own stubbornness, our own spiritual blindness, so that he can release us from that and give us a heart of thanksgiving.